Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Paul Rickard filling in for Peter Switzer. Well, the rally continues, another update in the market today, all coming ahead of an important Reserve Bank board meeting tomorrow. Will rates go up by half percent or three quarters percent? Well, we'll find out at uh, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But to tell us what he thinks and also to uh, share his thoughts on some tech stocks that he's, that he's watching, my first guest is Adam Dawes from Shore and Partners. Raymond Chan will be joining me also to talk about a couple of healthcare stocks, uh, while in particular he likes these leading healthcare companies and thinks on a relative basis they're a reasonably attractive buying. And finally, Peter caught up with James Haslam. He's the CFO of a particular favourite of ours, that's Elmo Software, involved in the uh, HR software processing or, or, or software as, as a service business. Uh, and he shares his thoughts on uh, Elmo's preliminary results. That's what we've got in store for you. Stick around on Switzer Investing. One of the big movements over the last couple of weeks has been some of our technology companies. Joining me now to discuss that and also what's in line for the market this week is uh, Adam Dawes from Shore and Partners. Adam, welcome to the program. Yes, thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, Reserve Bank meets tomorrow. Uh, I guess the market's expecting half percent. Uh, is the risk still that they might uh, we might get a supersized cut and they might go th uh, increase and they might go three quarters of a percent? Yeah, it's definitely a risk and it's definitely something that I think the market is probably buying into a little bit here. I mean, we've had such a good run over the last coming or the last week of July. So it's great that we start end of August, you know, on, on a real positive note. But I do think that the market is a little bit concerned that if it is a 75 basis point rise, that potentially, um, the, yeah, the market might take that as a little bit of a negative uh, going forward. But Overall, I'm really impressed with the way that uh, the market has taken on board uh, these rate rises. And it looks like they're now starting to get used to inflation and getting used to uh, higher wages and potentially uh, getting back on its feet, which is, which is great to see. I know we've been sort of following the lead from the US in this regard, but is this sort of a, you know, the classic sort of bear trap? What do you think? Uh, or is it just, you know, falling series obviously in the US has gone okay, and I guess that's pretty important for our market, but, uh, you know, it's been a pretty good rally over the last couple of weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. And you're right, it's that bear market rally that you've got to be worried about or concerned about. So I haven't been putting too much money into this last rally, albeit the tech stocks are looking pretty good, and, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But certainly, you're, you're right, it does it does smell of a, of a bear market rally where, potentially we, we, we might retest those lows again uh, going forward. So, yeah, I'm a little bit cautious of this rally, um, you know, and, and, and the problem is, is that it, it's, it's sort of death by a thousand cuts on the way down. And then all of a sudden it starts to bounce and you say, oh, I can't be the, can't be the rally to end all rallies. You know, something's got to go wrong. So I think overall it, it, it is looking that we are waiting for uh, this week, certainly for the RBA, we've got more quarterlies coming out, mm -hmm. which is really sort of giving us a bit more colour, and then reporting season, which is only a couple of weeks away. Just run me through the quarterlies, the key quarterlies this week coming up. Uh, so I don't know uh, some of the major ones. I know uh, we, we had uh, United, United Malt mm -hmm. Group today uh, come out with a quite a disappointing one. 
Uh, we've also seen a, a couple of other companies sort of coming out with half decent ones as well. Um, but there is a long list of those ones. And I think, yeah, I think, you know, looking for that, was it Super Thursday, which is about 28 companies reporting around that sort of 26th to 28th of August yep. is going to be the big one where we try and digest all of the information. Yeah, there's certainly a lot coming in that last couple of days of August. So uh, Super Thursday, I think even a few have moved into the Friday, which is uh, normally companies try to avoid a Friday reporting day, but there's quite a few lined up in the following Friday. So it's a busy time of year. Let's go to tech stocks because they've, um, particularly the US had a really good rally. We had a big rally in the latter part of last week, which has sort of faded, maybe the, a huge short covering rally. But uh, let's go to a couple of stocks because I think at one stage Zip went from it was sitting there below 50 cents. I think last Friday we hit almost a dollar 60 or something, uh, maybe a bit higher. Yep. And now it's back at about a dollar 10, dollar 11. Uh, just, you know, bear market rally, uh, short covering rally. How do you sort of uh, read what's been going on with some of the tech stocks? So we've done some analysis on Zip as well as some of the other tech stocks, but namely in the buy now, pay later mm -hmm. space, trying to get a grapple on what's actually going on here because really that rally uh, that we saw was, I mean, I mean, it, it came from the quarterly, but it was pretty much unprecedented as, as far and how quickly these things did rise. And then you're right, starting to fall again as well. And we thought it was short covering as well. So we thought that was the natural explanation on why this stock has started to move. And I'm just talking about Zip here, but we did some, we did some work mm -hmm. on that. And the shortcut, the shorts are actually the same amount they were last week and two weeks and, and three weeks ago. So we're actually thinking it's not short covering. We then actually went in to look at who's the biggest trader of the stock and lo and behold, it's Comsec. So what we're actually seeing is that we're actually seeing that it, th this rally has been driven by the retail market right. as well as then being pulled back by the retail market. Now, a lot of institutions, uh, obviously, they're potentially shorting Zip at the moment, but Zip's now come down to a market cap that's actually smaller than potentially what people or, or institutions would like to go in and buy at. So it's actually not a lot of institutions moving this around. It's actually the retail money, which is the biggest surprise to us going forward into Zip because that short position has not changed. So does that mean, uh, I mean, often that's often seen as a bit of a negative when just retail gets into a stock, but... Sometimes institutions follow. So, uh, you know, Zip was once a $12 stock, got down to below 50 cents. It looks like it's listed to the market in the sense that it's, it's cut back on its costs, it's got rid of some non-core businesses, really focused now back on Australia and to a lesser extent the US. I mean, uh, it seems to have done what the market's asking of it, but that doesn't give you confidence or do you think it's, it really, really needs some institutions now to come on board to take this, if this is going to be sustained? I, I agree. Institutions definitely need to come in and that, that over that dollar mark is probably a great sort of level where potentially the, the stock will travel or sit for a little bit. Uh, look, I think I think Zip's absolutely doing everything right going forward as far as then cost cutting, non-core assets, getting, you know, like exactly like you said. So I think they're doing all of the right things. They potentially will need to raise some more capital soon. Mm -hmm. So I think that's potentially where institutions might be waiting 
for them to uh, you know come through and um, and and make a play. But yeah, institutions and retail need to be working together to get that moving and to get that share price moving. So uh, you know, a lot of lot of institutions or, or sophisticated investors follow momentum and follow mm -hmm. volume, mm -hmm. and there's certainly been momentum and volume in that stock. So that should. Uh, start ringing or putting some alarm bells on some people's uh, on some people's computer screens to have a further look into the business as it moves around. So Zip's not necessarily on your buy list at the moment. If if, if I read what you're saying correctly, is that? Uh, so officially, Shore and Partners has a buy on it. I've got a lot of clients that are in at higher prices. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just just holding back at the moment. I want to see how this this rally trades. I think a dollar is probably where it's going to sit for a while, so we've got some time. Uh, so at the moment, I'm cautious, uh, but I wouldn't be putting any fresh money in. Happy to hold it for clients at the moment, but no fresh money. Okay, let's go to another one that's been uh, hasn't had quite the same volatility, but it's been a favour of a lot of investors, and that's uh, uh, Megaport. Um, last yeah. week again, hit a high on Friday. It's probably come off about 15% since Friday, but not quite the same volatility that Zips had. Um, that's all yeah. in the past had a lot more institutional support. So what's your take on, uh, on Megaport? Yeah, Megaport we really like. We've got it in a lot of clients' portfolios and we're buying and we bought some more today on this little bit of a pullback. I really like the business. So happy to continue to keep buying Megaport. Megaport's one of those ones that has a fantastic uh, thematic around mm -hmm. it and has just been really caught up in this sort of tech sell-off that's, that's going on at the moment. Um, there's, I think the stock's up 53% or something like that for the, or yeah, some, some ridiculous number for the month. So it's had, a, it's had a good run, probably due for a little bit of a pullback, but really like Megaport, I'm happy to keep buying that one. And, uh, you know, we expect that to continue to go higher from here. That's definitely on your, on your radar then. Okay, and then another one uh, yeah, that's been with a lot of clients is EML payments. It's been pretty troubled, a lot of problems with the regulator. We've had the change of CEOs. Um, it's now back. It's getting back down towards its lows again. Had again had a good rally last week, but it's come off from the high. So first of all, yeah. uh, take on what's been going on with the new CEO being appointed. Um, you kind of get its, its, its problems in in Europe with the uh, Irish Central Bank sorted. What do you think about uh, EML payments? Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's probably one that I put in the too hard basket. I did have some clients in at higher prices. We got out. Um, I think it's just, a, for me, it's just a little bit too hard. There's too many headwinds that are going. Now, the new CEO coming in, absolutely, he's got a, got a really big job ahead to get that right and to make sure that this business is going to move forward. But really, at the end of the day, I think there's too much uh, water under the bridge and the market isn't confident that these guys can actually make do with what they've got yeah these guys have, have tried so many times Ireland now has come back and said we've still got some issues with it we're going to get it sorted but um for me there's too much uh, uncertainty there too many things that can go wrong and it would be an avoid from me until all of these issues are sorted out and then you can feel safe to be investing in the business and they've got some clear blue sky blue sky also so that's really a buy hold and I won't say a sell it's an avoid from you but EMLs the avoid the buyer's megaport and the hold is, uh, is zip payments. Um, just well, there you go. You wrapped it up all in one yeah. show. That's fantastic. Just, let's just go to a couple of the leaders. Um, I might just, just do the two market leaders and zero and 
if you want to give us give us your views on Zero and also potentially a wise tech. Let's start with Zero, Adam. I know this is a little off notice, but uh, I mean that seems to have found a bit yeah. of a base. It's, it's bounced nicely. Yeah, it looks really good, doesn't it? And I think the market's somewhat getting uh, excited about it. It's not up as much as Zip or EML, but I think mm -hmm. that, uh, sorry, not as, as much as Zip or Megaport. But uh, look, I think it's one of those ones that it, it, it's a bit of a slower mover as well. Um, really happy with Zero to be keep buying at under $100. I think it was around that 96, 97 mark. Um, it just, yeah, it looks like the confidence is now starting to come back into the stock. The tech side of things is starting to look pretty good. So, yeah, comfortable with a buy on uh, uh, on zero. And they've got a price increase, I think, that comes in effect on the 1st of September. So any of the uh, zero users out there, you'll find your bills are going up. So I guess it gives you something about uh, also their market power now in terms of uh, once they get clients in, it's very hard to or very few want to move. So... Uh, it's, uh, it does give you an idea about their pricing power. And the other one is WiseTech, which I guess is now almost the sector leader. Uh, it really hasn't fallen far at all. It's bounced back. Um, any views on WiseTech? Um, in term, it's had obviously tailwinds in terms of what's been going on in that whole industry with logistics and transport and so forth. But uh, uh, yeah. what's your view on WiseTech? Well, WiseTech is uh, obviously in an upgrade cycle because we saw the earnings being upgraded just the other day. So that's that's a fantastic, um, well, fantastic result for WiseTech, and and it's probably the one of the first ones in the tech space to have an upgrade in earnings, hmm. which has now allowed potentially the rest of the tech sector to have a bit of a breather and potentially people now starting to look at it again. So really comfortable with WiseTech. Um, overall, I think it's a great business. They've done really, really well in getting that business and tying it up and, and moving forward through COVID, all of these kinds of things. But, you know, WiseTech has done well. So it's, it's, it's a comfortable buy uh, for WiseTech on me. You always buy companies with earnings upgrade cycles, and I think that fits squarely within what WiseTech is talking to the market about. Well, that's a wrap for WiseTech Zero and uh, uh, not Zip, sorry, but uh, Megaport. So... Uh, Thanks for that wrap. Uh, three buys, one sell and one hold. So well, that's a good way to summarise it. That was Adam Dawes from uh, Shore Partners. Joining me now is Raymond Chan. Raymond's the head of the uh, Asian desk at, uh, at Morgan's. Raymond, welcome to the program. Hi, Paul, how are you? Let's talk about healthcare. It's been one of the uh, relatively weaker performing sectors, but did a lot better in July. And uh, I think you see that as continuing to be one of the better performing sectors going forward. Is that right? Yeah, uh, Paul, I, I, I find it pretty interesting. Like uh, if we look back um, the past 20 years, in fact, the healthcare sector outperformed the market 80% of the time, X zero. Um, However, what we are seeing is with COVID, uh, we saw initial outperformance of healthcare stocks at the beginning of COVID. Then it's pretty much underperformed uh, for, uh, especially for FY22. And it's only lately uh, that we start to see some life um, on the healthcare sector. So that suddenly, in terms of sector, that, that there's a few key themes happening at the moment. I guess the first thing is uh, we noted the uh, the sharp rally in mm -hmm. US dollars up until pretty much two weeks ago. Uh, that certainly 
assist the US dollars earning because we when we talk about the healthcare company, the biggest healthcare company in in in, in a, on ASX are pretty much global player. Yeah. And uh it's interesting 20 years ago when I look at healthcare sector, it's like below five percent index weighting. And today when I look at it, it's a bit over ten percent. So certainly I think it deserves a portfolio weighting in client uh for, for client. Uh, the, the key point we have to look at is um, despite the recent um, uh, small rally in the healthcare sector, we start to see a bit of uh, life. Uh, does it warrant uh, that you know we have a meaningful, meaningful position in the healthcare sector? And my answer to that is yes, you know, I think I think the healthcare stocks, you know, in the past been doing well, and I think in the future they will continue to do well. Okay, now over the longer term, they've been great performers um, and they've had a lot of sort of, I guess, tailwinds from the ageing population plus, uh, you know, just the increasing demand for, for healthcare services plus a lot of government support, which obviously help, helps in a, in a global sense. But it's often been seen as, as a very expensive sector, particularly in the Australian sector compared to, say, how healthcare is viewed in the United States. You've got an interesting graph on... Uh, on, on so-called price earnings multiples. Do you want to just go through that and talk about uh, the relative uh, cheapness or not of the sector? Absolutely. Uh, it, interesting to note uh, with the healthcare sector because of the this defensive of its earnings. The market in Australia happy to pay relatively high PE. Uh, in, in fact, the sector PE uh, average around a bit over 30 times. However, back in 2020, so a bit, you know, over two years ago, the PE actually trade up to 42 times. Wow, yeah. And the the beauty about the the, the, the last year uh, underperformance is that actually brought the PE back more to ground. So uh, I think now they are trading, at the sector PE now back down to around, around 30, 33 times. With the biggest stocks like CSL, I think they're on about 31 times for PE. Now it's become more reasonable. So, so I, I'm not too worried about you know um, uh, the sector being on a you know uh, 20, 30, uh, 20, 30 times PE because this is what the history been telling us, and I think the sector continue continue to be very defensive in terms of its earnings. Okay, well let's go to your sort of preferred stocks, uh, the preferred picks in the healthcare sector. Uh, number one, I understand is Resmed. Yeah, uh, Resmed. Uh, I think it's an interesting choice because I mean the viewer will, will probably question, hey, Resmed just have its very soft third quarter earnings. Um, as a result of that, you know, the share price on Resmed has gone down. Uh, and then lately it's bounced back from its low. We think what happened is, you know, uh, the um, the sale of the medical device being very slow during the COVID period. Now the economy has become more normalized we think the sales will bounce back. And also what gives us the confidence is uh, one of CSL major competitor, Philip, they are still going through a recall process. Mm -hmm. So that's going to contribute to more market share gain for Resmed. And Resmed will have the all important fourth quarter uh, result coming out on the 11th uh, next week. So we will be able to see uh, whether they can recover 
from uh, a bit of hiccups in uh, the third quarter. For now, I think you know we have confidence they they will be doing okay in the fourth quarter, given the competitive call. And our resume's primary listing is in the US, so that's why you get the fourth quarter report. But look, just one of the other things. I mean, resume's been diversifying into uh, software as a service, uh, in addition to sort of its um, you know traditional sort of sleep apnea type devices. How do you think that's going? I think that's going really, really well. Um, and uh, this is, you know, one of the very few uh, healthcare company in Australia, they actually get um, uh, into the technology space, you know, make use of the big data, uh, data and the like. And this is something that we like uh, for, for the future of uh, uh, ResMed. And I think they certainly spend money and time in the right area. Uh, and I think that will result in a competitive advantage being developed uh, over over long term. That's why we think you know the uh, the weakness in uh, uh, uh despite already recovering a bit from the low, continue to be looking favorable going into the reporting season. Okay, let's talk about your other uh, preferred stock, my favorite stock, which is CSL. Has been struggling to get back through three hundred dollars. I've been waiting for it to get there for. Uh, like I guess a lot of investors for some months. Um, what are you expecting in CSL particularly? I think it's due to report on the 17th of August. Exactly. Um, so the, the key about CSL will be um, how, well, how well they collect the plasma. Uh, certainly uh, last year been a difficult time, uh, over the past two years been a difficult time for CSL to collect the plasma, which of course is an important ingredient to, to develop their drugs, to manufacture their drugs. And even, you know, CSL will have to, you know, fight with the government to allow uh, the Mexican uh, to cross the border and donate plasma in US. Right. Unlike, you know, Australia, we do blood donations, but in, in America, they are actually pay money uh, to 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 accept you know to the the, the blood uh, the plasma donation. Uh, the one of the reports suggests that the plasma collect, uh, collection has uh, now back to normal. In fact, one report suggests is actually back to pre-COVID level. And if I look at one of the result of another pharmaceutical company last week in US, they are also focused on the plasma. Uh, the demand, the demand is very strong for, for the product. So that gives us a bit of confidence that CSL uh, is going to have a better outlook statement, um, and which I think is important, you know, well, whether that can, you know, push uh, CSL back to, you know, the, the, the $200 mark. Uh, so CSL, yeah, remain uh, comfortable and, uh, you know, for, for, for clients who don't really look for the yield, they look more for the long-term growth. I think CSL appear to be uh, well positioned to do so. Do we expect any news about uh, CSL's acquisition of uh, V for Pharma, which of course is the big uh, chronic kidney, uh, I guess, uh, treatment or manufacturer? I mean, how's that acquisition pr uh, progressing? Our analysts think, you know, th this likely to be a long-term integration uh, because, you know, this is the area that they are traditionally not deal with. So this is more like a new income stream for them. Uh, we think there will be some update. However, we don't think there will be meaningful in terms of uh, what uh, they're going to report this time. Okay. Well, let's hope you're right, Raymond, because uh, one of the things about CSL, one of the reasons I really like it is it has a habit of, uh, of uh, 
under-promising and over-delivering. It's surprising on the upside with uh, results announcements. It has provided pretty tight guidance, so I guess uh, we're looking for it to be the upper end of that guidance. But uh, let's hope we get it. The market gets a positive surprise on the, uh, the 17th of August, and we'll note down both uh, uh, ResMed and CSL as your preferred picks in the sector. Thank you. That was uh, Raymond Chan, the uh, head of the Asian desk at Morgan's. Uh, well, joining us now is James Haslam, the CFO of Elmo Software. Uh, reported well this week, uh, and the market liked what they heard. But you know, it's a company that struggles. It's a tech company. It's obviously in the small business and medium-sized business space. Um, let's find out what's happening to the company now and what needs to do to impress those sons of you know what's that make up the stock market, James. Good to talk to you. Likewise, Peter. Good to be I'm here. I'm sure you and your CEO, Danny Lessam, at times, you do look at the stock market and think, those sons of you-know-what. <laughs> no comment is a, fa is, a fair, is a fair answer to that one, James. <laughs> All right, let's, 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 not be, uh. let's not be too hard on, on something which is a necessary evil. Um, let's talk about, so this week, I think you're up at all. Well, this week, your, your share price is up about 15%, which in a week when you report is a good sign. It means that the market must have liked what they've read. What do you think were the standout features of this report? Oh, Peter, I think uh, it's incredibly strong results. Um, real high growth in, in our annual recurring revenue. So that's, that's really the value of our customer base that as we look out to the next year, for $108 million and that grew at 29%. So really showing the strength and that's supported by new customers coming on board and existing customers being upsold to as, as companies move to you know, increase their digital footprint with their HR software, having automation built in. So we're really seeing that strength. We call it the tailwinds. We've seen that coming through in spades and that 29% growth. And second to that, and of equal importance, is we're now at a scale where we're starting to see operating leverage really come through and, and the cash burn really start to come down. So the cash burn on a monthly basis came in at just around 1.4 million per month, down from 2.2 million in, in the financial year 21. So that, that improvement, those jaws, as we call them, are, are opening and we're on that pathway to break even. So we also provided our guidance alongside our result as well. So we provided that quite early um, and, and to give the market some idea as where we see the next 12 months playing out. And I think those three things combined have gone down incredibly well. Okay, and so you've, you forecasted that you'd break even in financial year 2023 or calendar year? Uh, financial year, financial year. So we, we expect to break even, at, uh, you know, by, for the, the 30 June 23 year, we expect to have a, 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 an operating cash flow break even. Okay, where is the, so your revenue was up, what, 32%? Is that right? Correct, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. is the revenue growth coming from? Yeah, you mentioned that existing customers are up, up buying the, the, the modules you sell, but you're also saying new customers. Are new customers coming in, in the medium-sized business segment or in the small business segment? Across both, Peter. Um, we've seen 
the 29% growth in the, the mid-market, and we define that as being from customers from 50 up to 2,000, and also the small business segment in our what we call the Breathe brand in the 50 and, and below. So we're seeing, and that was at 34%. So that's, we're seeing in both segments, we're seeing new customers come on board, but we're also seeing that new existing customers take in more as well. So we're seeing that, that growth in both segments, but also in both geographies as well, with strong growth coming out of the UK, which we invested in in uh, FY21. Has your um, position in the UK been affected by the economy over there? They've had, they've had a few struggles, haven't they? They've struggled with COVID. They've got very high inflation rates. Um, I don't think their growth is spectacular, uh, though you, you can correct me if I'm wrong there. But putting it all together, it hasn't been what you might call a, a gangbusters boom economy in the UK. We've, um, I think we've experienced a, uh, something quite different uh, on our side, not, not, not putting those things um, in, uh, to, to side, but with our solution, the expense management solution, we've seen a lot of strength come through with customers continuing to, to utilize expenses and, and start spending. Um, and on the small business side, we've really seen new customers coming on board. Those small companies really need to still adopt, you know, to support remote-based and hybrid workforces. So we're seeing a lot of adoption in that small business space. So that's a lot of strength coming through there, irrespective of that, that macro drop back. And we're expecting that to continue on. So yes, we've seen inflation in, in, uh, in the UK market and, and we, that's also features as part of our pricing as well. So with inflation, we also have some increase on our, on our pricing there. Um, but we're actually seeing a, a high rate of adoption come through small businesses uh, and see mid-market also show resilience there. So we've actually grown quite uh, quite well in, the, in that market over the last 12 months, and, and we do expect that will continue through uh, next year. Uh, I think the easy way to think of our product is it replaces the, uh, in terms of cost side, it's more efficient spend than hiring more people in, into the company. So we, we look at that as our typical customer size um, is twenty-seven dollars to $30,000 a year of licenses. And that may avoid you hiring someone, you know, between eighty and a hundred thousand dollars a year. So we, we help bring that automation in uh, to, to to the companies. Okay, I know in the past Danny thought that the work from home trend was going to advantage your business. Um, explain why he would think that, and do you think that message has actually got out? to your potential customer base as well as you would like? Very much so. Uh, the, the remote based and hybrid working um, looks like it's here to stay. I think it's, it's, it's a pivot in most companies uh, who can adopt it. And we, we are seeing the move into that environment uh, and that's where our solution helps fill the gap because historically things like financial products, you know, like a zero, et cetera, accounting system, People have been able to do that, uh, manage their finances remotely and through the cloud. And human capital management is that next thing that people need to manage their employees and and work with them for their on their hybrid. It might be recruiting, um, you know, doing online recruitment or onboarding, uh, payroll as well. So we're seeing things like that really come through um, and be popular with customers, uh, and that's creating a, a a large pipeline of of future customers because a lot of mid market and small businesses don't have a solution around their HR needs. No. They may have a financial uh, solution or customer or CRM, but not a HR solution. Uh, and so that's why we see it's great greenfield opportunity, not just in the Australian New Zealand market, 
but also in the UK market as well, which we, we invested when we bought uh, the web expenses and breathe businesses um, in, yeah. in uh, FY21. Are you getting your fastest growth for breathe in the UK where it's been there for a longer period? Yes, uh, the, the vast majority of that growth is uh, based in, in Breathe in the UK. So the, the small business product in, in Australia is still very much in its infancy, uh, but the uh, in the UK, that's uh, all the growth and the revenues are really coming from there. Yeah. H have you learned anything about the marketing of the Breathe product in the UK that's going to help you sell it here? Because, you know, to be, be honest, you know, I have a pretty big handle on what goes on in the small business sector. And apart from seeing that wonderful sign outside your building on George Street um, as you drive up, and I, that shows the confidence you must have in the product, I haven't seen any marketing grabbing me as a small business owner. And I really do think small business owners need to have an IR solution for their business. But A, they don't know they, well, they know they need it, but they're probably paying other people doing it, like bookkeepers or their accountants, or they might even have a, an HR pe person helping them. It seems to me it is the sleeper that could really be a, make a big difference for your business. Yeah, certainly, Peter. I, I think in in the in that medium longer term, uh, we'll see a lot of growth coming out of that small business product. Um, and at the moment, with uh, certainly certainly growing it uh, healthily in the UK, and I expect it will really get going here um, over the next uh, next couple of years. So it's, it's definitely a focus to really build out the awareness of, of the small business and, and, and penetrate that small business uh, community because I completely agree. I think this is something that these small businesses need. It's a heavily automated product. It's very easy to, to use and, and absolutely ramping up marketing efforts to, to make sure that we, um, that we we get the message out there and, and start bringing the, the customers on board. I mean, it's a, it's a very economical, low cost solution uh, for companies to have and, and, and it really does help them out um, uh, with their needs. Does it also, help them avoid making mistakes with their employees that could get them into some trouble with, you know, uh, you know the, uh, uh, the commission or, or, or whatever, Fair Work Commission, because you actually are doing it right rather than doing it wrong? Look, it certainly helps with um, accuracy and of, of your records and, and keeping data, data can't comment on to, uh, around fair work issues, but but really it's around the employers using the information, using the the, the effect of the database and, and reporting that comes with that. So it certainly enhances their ability and improves the accuracy. Okay, so because you're a numbers man, I'm going to ask you this question: What does it cost a small business person to be to sign up and get the the benefits of Breathe? So the uh, the average customer, if I look at the UK market, average customer is a thousand dollars a year, and that will scale up and depend on different price bands depending on how many employees you have. So it starts yeah. up at a very low price and, and it moves up depending on on your branding. And typically, services customers from five employees up to up to fifty employees. So we actually have our uh, pricing all published on on the website for any small businesses that uh, that uh, want to look. It's uh, it, yeah. it, it's very standardised. Yeah, but given, given the fact that it's going to be a tax deductible expense, we're not talking about a huge outlay to actually nail, to nail a lot of your industrial relations or HR issues. Yeah, correct. So, so this very much um, very cost effective uh, product to really help manage your, your people. Okay. 
What, what are you guys going to do between now and next reporting um, season, in just after Feb or in February, I guess, for you guys? What are you going to do to excite the market about the potential of your company? Because that's what your shareholders want you to do. Excite the market and get the market buying your stock and pushing up the share price. Look, I, th I think we're in an incredibly exciting uh, 12 months of the in the evolution of the Elmo Group. So we've, we expect to continue to deliver high levels of growth. We've put our guidance out at 24 to 29% ARR growth over the year. Um, and also that move towards cash flow break even. So from my point of view, it's continued to deliver what we've, what we've been doing. Uh, if you look to the last five quarters, we've got a very good handle on the cost base. Uh, we've seen the growth coming through and we're really pushing that pathway to, to break even. So uh, really by getting through to the next reporting period at December and then into, into June next year, uh, provided we deliver on, on these numbers that we put out in guidance, I think that should really, um, you know, really help the market and, and investors. Okay. Really focus on that shareholder return. Okay. Well, I think you're making the right decisions when it comes to the AFL supporting the Swans, but don't know about your decision to support <laughs> Manly Warringa. Anyway, that's, uh, that's up for your marketing department. James, thanks for joining us. Peter, pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us on Switzer Investing. For more insights, head to our website at switzerreport.com.au.